Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we are joined by Shira Zur at Gensler Research Institute to explore what their data reveals about designing inclusive, age-friendly communities that offer a range of housing options for people of all ages. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Theon. It's great to be here. Well, we are really happy to have you. And the first thing I'll ask you to do is just share a little bit more about yourself and Gensler. Okay, great. So I am an architect, first and foremost, and I was born and raised in Southern California. I'm based in Los Angeles. I've worked over the past 15 years at Gensler. I've worked primarily with nonprofit organizations, many educational institutions, and developers for student low-income and senior housing. And I've got a passion for innovative projects that impact our communities by helping our people and our cities to reach their full potential. I'll tell you a little bit about Gensler. Gensler is a global multidisciplinary design firm. We have several practice areas. Some of those are urban planning, mixed use, hospitality, healthcare, residential, and senior living. And at the Gensler Research Institute, we're a collaborative network of researchers that explore design, business, and behavior and the intersection between those things. Our goal is really to improve the built environment and enhance the human experience. The cool thing is that we're not just researchers, we're architects, we're designers, we're planners, and we're actually doing the work. I love that because it's one thing to have that theoretical research where you have your data points and things like that, but it's another to have the practical, will it work? If you're actually in the field, you know, well, this is supposed to go this way or this is supposed to go that way. So I love having the theoretical and the practical lens in terms of how Gensler is built. So according to Gensler's research, what are some of the challenges our state is experiencing when it comes to older adults and housing? So by 2030, one of every five people in the U.S. will be 65 or older. And we all have heard about the housing crisis. And unfortunately, California is ranking at the very bottom of affordability. And older adults specifically are at the center of California's housing affordability and homelessness crisis. And the primary drivers for that is the surge in older adult homelessness in California are the unsustainable rent burdens, the inadequate supply of affordable and accessible housing. So the challenge really is how do we prepare for that 100-year life, which we've heard about, while creating more and varied housing opportunities at a more affordable price. And that is very challenging. In 2023, Gensler Research Institute released a report called Beyond Senior Housing, Designing Communities for Inclusion. 
Now, this report provided findings on the future of how we might live in later years of life, as you mentioned, longer lifespans, but it also highlights opportunities for new business models and ecosystems that help provide safe, flexible, and enticing housing for an age-diverse population. Why is it so important to design inclusive, age-friendly communities like that and offer a range of housing? So I'm going to start with another statistic on this one. Between 2015 and 2030, adults who are over the age of 60 will generate more than half of all urban consumption growth in developed countries. This is according to the Center of the Future of Aging at the Milken Institute. So our healthcare, our global healthcare, financial and housing infrastructure is failing. And we really saw that, especially during the pandemic. So as we build our communities and neighborhoods for the future, we need to put forward creative solutions to empower people to thrive throughout the entire lifespan. Wow. Yeah, that is an amazing statistic there that you talked about in terms of the urban construction growth. So what do business models and ecosystems like this look like? Yeah, so it's new and it's different, for sure. The narrative around aging was traditionally one-dimensional, right? You move from education to work to retirement. And at the age of retirement, adults were perceived as being patients in need of care, right? And that's where the traditional care model comes from. They weren't looked at as adults in a new stage of life. And this is changing. So the spectrum of products and services they really reflected that. The ones that were being offered were reduced to targeting medical problems or disabilities. And now that's really shifting towards our new aging population that is looking for so much more. People not only are living longer, but they're actually living in better functional health for longer. So they're deviating from that traditional trajectory of life, right? And adults are returning to education. They're seeking new experiences. They're working beyond the legacy retirement age of 65, and they're also more in tune with the digital world. So I have another statistic here where the Bureau of Labor of Statistics, employment of U.S. workers age 65 or older has grown by 117 percent in a span of 20 years. So to meet this evolving and increasingly competitive market, providers of older housing are really needing to be more flexible and more creative, especially amid the rising construction cost. Yeah, I can see that. I can totally see it. Adults living longer in better health, presumably, and not in the traditional forms of placing someone in a retirement home or something like that. Now, the report also states that older adults are the only demographic where the consumer market is blind to diversity of the needs, desires, and expectations of the community of users. I think what you've pointed out in terms of older adults working longer and living different types of lifestyles is a good example of that. So what are the gaps when it comes to housing that is accessible and affordable to older adults? Yeah, so I think it's really what we talked about. It's how people are looking at senior housing, right? Traditionally, how they're looking at it in terms of it being a care model and shifting that towards, you know, a more experiential model for adults in a new stage of life. And it's hard to even figure out what that looks like because this is such a new way of designing, I guess. 
Of course, as we age, our needs change, and it's based on each individual situation. One person's health is different than another's, and the caregiving needs will be different. The finances are different. The social connections are different. What does the Gensler data reveal when it comes to what older adults desire from their communities? And I know it's difficult to say that because we all have all these differences. That's right. But what we all have in common, both older adults and younger adults, is the desire for a shared experience. And again, the pandemic really highlighted that. So residential neighborhoods that were offering single-use spaces are becoming outdated. And now providers should be looking at creating more diverse, adaptable, and multifunctional spaces where people can function in all different modes. They could live, they could socialize somewhere that they feel safe and have easy access to a range of offerings. So it's not at all one size fits all, which is kind of how it's been looked at in the past. So specifically, you're probably thinking, you know, what creates a great experience? So the key to a great experience is really the social and interactive experiences of a place. So the interaction between staff, technology, or other residents. It's also the expectation of experience. So what a person expects when they're embarking on an experience or entering into a space. And that's often based on what their prior experience is or word of mouth or even brand equity. And then finally, there's what Gensler is good at as designers, as architects, is the quality of the physical space. That really frames the entire experience from ease of navigation to the materials and furnishings. And you said it well when you're asking the question. It's not the same for everyone. Providers should really look at the community that they're in, their cities that they're in, because they really want it to be targeted to that community that they're rooted in. And that's what makes it successful. So we can definitely take cues from hospitality here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking that in terms of just that shared experience, the social and interactive type of setting, and then having quality as a very important part of this. It helps me in pivoting to where I wanted to go next, which is solutions. Based on Gensler's insights into creating accessible, resilient, and equitable spaces, what are some of the potential solutions to address the housing crisis here in California in particular? So we have to go beyond the building scale and start thinking more holistically about aging in society. It's time to design residential developments that fit into our wider communities and support and encourage change rather than fight it. So at this scale, we're building strategic partnerships and networks with local amenities and services. And that can be both co-located services as well as virtual connections. Developments need to be flexible. They need to be adaptable and resilient. And that doesn't come down to just green building credentials and physical assets. It includes creating resilient local businesses and operation models. So fulfilling the needs and expectations of the current generations without compromising the need of future generations. Yeah, that's quite a large bill to fill. That's a lot to fill, especially here as our cost of living just seems to be skyrocketing. And just recently I was looking at senior housing for a friend and I know that her Social Security will not cover it. And I'm not quite sure what she's going to do. She's dealing with some memory loss and is going to have to go into some place where she can have some assistance. 
And we've been really challenged at finding that. So it's interesting how we have to look at these solutions. And I love this idea of collaborative solutions where we work together. So as we consider the re-engineering of the infrastructure of how we've done things in the past to prepare for people living longer, adaptive reuse has become a potential solution as well. In clear terms, can you share with us what adaptive reuse is and the opportunities it might provide and who it might provide those opportunities for? So adaptive reuse refers to the process of reusing an existing building for a purpose other than which it was originally built or designed for. So we've often heard it in the context of office to residential, right? But we don't often hear about it in the context of office to senior living or a community center to senior living. And it provides opportunities to reduce development costs pretty substantially. And in the case of housing, making those units more affordable. So when you add in the office vacancy crisis that are plaguing our cities across the U.S. since the pandemic, then we have an interesting opportunity here. It's converting offices into senior living. And downtown and urban locations where the office buildings are, are also ideal for senior living communities. Our research shows that baby boomers prefer a city life and to age in place rather than relocating to the suburban areas. In urban areas, they're served by public transportation. They've got many of the amenities that we're often looking for to support senior housing. They're in close proximity to salons, retail stores, movie theaters, museums. Additionally, many of the urban cores, many of our cities, have top healthcare facilities. In Los Angeles, we have UCLA, USC represented here in downtown. So the amenities that may not fit into the office to senior living conversion can be found within blocks of the downtown location, which presents a cost savings opportunity because you're not having to have all of those amenities included in the building itself. Now, that would be a great collaborative effort right there. That is a good example. From a structural point of view, it also is a nice synergy because with the office buildings, you have the heights from floor to floor is taller so that when you're reconfiguring the floor plan and you're putting in the bathrooms and the kitchens that are necessary for housing, you have more room to play with. And then they're typically also fire rated floors and structure. So it's really kind of the infrastructure of an office building typically meets all of the requirements that you'd have for a licensed facility. So they would literally convert an office building into senior apartments, or would it be more like a senior community? I'm thinking even more of a reuse in terms of every floor maybe has its own kitchen, but you have a space that has a bathroom and your basics. Like, what would this look like as a, this adaptive reuse, or could it be a mixture of many things? I think it can be a mixture of many things, but one thought is what's often challenging for developers in converting office buildings to a typical multi-residential units is the very narrow and deep units that you get with such a large office building floor plates because office building floor plates are a lot larger than what you would have in a residential building, which is more narrow. So you can kind of create better proportions of the units by putting some of those shared amenities that are unique to a senior living facility in the core, right? So you can have some of those gathering spaces in the core. 
when it comes to memory care, for example, you might have some shared restrooms, you know, medical stations, things like that in the course. So you're, you're making better use of the interior of the office floor plate, and that gives you some better proportions uh, around the perimeter for the units. Oh, this is great. So are there examples of adaptive reuse projects in California centered on meeting the needs of older adults already? Yes. So Gensler recently completed an adaptive reuse project in Oakland, California. It's not an office conversion. So adaptive reuse is certainly not limited to offices. In this case, it was previously a YMCA. So the building called the Eliza is on the corner of Telegraph Avenue and 21st Street for those who are familiar with the area. And it's an existing eight-story historic red brick building that was, as I mentioned, originally owned by the YMCA. And then Mercy Housing came in, and they're one of the nation's largest affordable housing organizations. They purchased the building in 1997, partnered with Gensler, and repositioned it to a 97-unit affordable housing apartment. And this is specifically for low-income singles and families in Oakland. Okay, wow. So that's in the Oakland area. It is. Wonderful. Something to check out and see. Are there any other infrastructure or design innovations that housing developers and stakeholders should consider when building housing for our growing aging population? Yeah, so I can name a few. Gensler Research found that actively aging boomers are looking for, as we know, well-designed housing options to support their current lifestyles and allow them to live long, purposeful lives. We can increase the quality of life an active life specifically, by designing with a few things in mind. The first is connectivity. So the ability to maintain relationships with neighbors, coworkers, family, friends, and community members. This can be both in person and online. So we're not taking the older adults out of their communities. They're staying within their communities and they're continuing to feel connected. The second would be providing choice. So living in a location that fits their individual preferences being able to have choice in the activities that they do, you know, how they spend their time and make decisions about their health care. That's a really important one, too. The third is independence. So relying on others as little as possible for personal care, for getting around. You know, that includes the ability to use public transportation, ride sharing, walking, all of the things that they're sort of used to in their daily lives. And then the fourth is a focus on wellness. So not just preventing disease, but also managing long-term illness to lead a productive and fulfilling life. Well, these are all important, of course, and important not just to our aging population, but I think to the population in general. Well-designed places with connectivity, choice, independence, public transportation, wellness. We talk about this with our safe cities as well. And so this is something that AARP continues to advocate for, for our growing aging population. And again, as I said, for our overall population. As we shift away from the infrastructure, because a lot of the things that you just mentioned, especially in terms of connectivity and choice, they don't really have to do with the infrastructure as much. They have to do with how we live and how we stay connected and do interactive activities. So as we shift away from that infrastructure conversation, what are some ways communities are redefining ways to live? 
Yeah, so you had mentioned having safe cities, and a part of that, too, is the 20-minute neighborhood. So as urban planners, we're implementing several of the Livable Cities initiative that AARP has outlined, right? So some of those are universal design, walkability, complete streets that support pedestrians, bicyclists, motorists, and transit. And that's a huge part of having safe streets. And many of these strategies, all of them, really support the concept of a 20-minute neighborhood, which balances kind of transportation, housing, and technology infrastructure with access to food, healthcare, and parks. So really, urban neighborhoods, they need older adults, and older adults need livable cities. And the other thing that the pandemic has really showed us is that mindsets can indeed change. So people of all ages during the pandemic, they worked from home, they used virtual platforms, and actually many of our older adults were the first to embrace some of these, including telehealth. And with the birth rates dropping and some colleges closing due to the demographic shift of not having enough students, many of the education institutes have opened their courses to old adults. So old adults are going back to school, and this is giving them you know, a sense of self-worth, optimism, socialization. It allows them to express themselves and feel empowered to maintain their overall health. Yeah, that's a great way to have empowerment. Education has always been one of the key factors in keeping people engaged and moving and advancing. And one thing that I wanted to mention, too, is many of the older adults who are going back to school, they're also looking to live near and on college campuses. So we're currently working with McNair Living on a project at Purdue University in Indiana where we're bringing independent living cottages, apartments, assisted living, and memory care units to the edge of the campus. Wow. Now, that is an amazing project right there. I'd love to see that. Now, this 20-minute neighborhood, talking about the accessibility for transportation, for housing, for technology, and connecting it with the food, health, and well-being, that is the ideal, (laughs) that's like an ideal neighborhood. And I guess it might look like some of those downtown units that you talked about with everything being easily accessible. So good information for us to have. Are there other key findings from the Beyond Senior Housing Designing Communities for Inclusion report that our listeners should be aware of? Well, I I just kind of reiterate that older generations, unfortunately, when they move into traditional senior housing, oftentimes they lose the autonomy to choose where and how they live due to constraints like affordability, location, and access. So now we have a blueprint for a new way to sort of live in society and do senior housing. So this new approach to building developments for older residents, it requires substantial investment, right, in digital and physical infrastructure. So it's important to sort of assess that potential value through the lens of longevity, through the 100-year life. And I guess we can find that in the report. So can you tell us a little bit about where they can learn more? Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to read the report or uh, learn more information about research that we've done for senior living, you can go to www.gensler.com and click on Research and Insights. You'll find it there. Or you can go under Expertise on our website and click on Senior Living, and that'll take you to our research as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Shira. 
If you could leave our listeners with one soundbite regarding what the data shows when it comes to housing and older adults, what would it be? So I think it'd be when we design for the oldest and youngest generations, ultimately we all benefit. And with this in mind, every industry should seek to design and entice and delight the new aging consumer. Shira, thank you for joining us on In Clear Terms with AARP California. This was a wonderful conversation. Again, we've had the pleasure of speaking with Shira Zur, Associate at Gensler Research Institute, to talk about designing inclusive, age-friendly communities that offer a range of housing options for people of all ages. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening. 